Hey guys, Sean Sewell from Gamma.com podcast. Really fortunate to have a, a international best-selling author, the founder of Personal Trainer Development Center and Online Trainer Academy, Jonathan Goodman. Thanks for being on the show today, Jonathan. And as you can tell, I like really long, extremely descriptive company names. <laughs> you got two right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Um, a little bit of background. Um, as a fitness professional, one of my colleagues is actually OTA certified, I found out this morning. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Who is it? Katie uh, Prendergast. Oh, yeah. Katie's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Katie's, Katie's super rad. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. Cool. She'll love that you, shout you out. You work with Katie? I do. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Tell her to say what's up. I'll be happy to. So um, I bet business for you has really picked up the last three months because a lot of us fitness professionals obviously can't train in person. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've seen a lot more people come to you for your services. Yeah. I mean, the Online Trainer Academy is the first ever certification for online fitness professionals. So we kind of were there before this, this happened. We've been mm-hmm. helping people build online training businesses, mostly as side businesses to their own person. Most of our people do hybrid since 2013. Yeah. And um, what's, what's interesting, Sean, is absolutely, I mean, our business is picked up. There's no question. We're one of the really weird types of companies that, as horrible as this is to say, have benefited immensely professionally yeah. from the atrocities that are going on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's, I actually spoke to a bunch of friends of mine, different business owners, you know, that were hurting and, and we had a lot of conversations. I was just like, I, I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, we're doing really well. Yeah. We had our best month ever in April. Fantastic. But I don't feel like that's okay. And then, you know, I've kind of worked through that and we're serving people a different way and trying to serve people different ways. But what's what's interesting, Sean, is that we have, I mean, obviously interest in what we do has gone up a ton. Sales have gone up, certainly, Mm -hmm. but they haven't gone up anywhere close to the amount that interest has gone up. And I think that's just a testament to when it happened, when, when the pandemic hit, when all the shutdowns happened and the fitness industry was hit, I wouldn't say the hardest out of any industry. You've got airline, you've got travel mm-hmm. and, and obviously, you know, tourism adventure. Like, I mean, what, what you do has got to be hit a fair bit mm-hmm. more, but fitness has hit one of the hardest and people in the industry are just scared. There's a lot of unease. And so they just weren't spending money on education or yeah. anything. Now that we're coming out of it and now that gyms are starting to open up across, you know, North America and Europe, and, uh, and Southeast Asia and Australasia and stuff like that, we're actually seeing our numbers climb. And, nice. um, and, and everybody's like, oh, I bet you're seeing a drop off. I'm like, no, we're seeing them actually go up because people now are stable and they realize that they have to have something online if they're gonna make this thing a career. Mm-hmm. And, and they know that even though they're going back to the gym, they know that this has gotta be a part of it. That's a very good point. And you know, I had no online training at all until beginning of March. And I've learned to love wow. it. Like I have, I have mm-hmm. three more after this and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. It's been a lot of fun learning and I already had decent audio equipment and camera equipment. Right. So I already had like a one step up, I think in that direction. Um, but that's, you know, a very fortunate side effect, but I really enjoy helping people, especially remotely. Now that was never on my radar. I was only in Denver, <laughs> you know, or my little bubble. Now sure. it's approachable for anybody, which is fantastic. What's, what's super interesting about, about the world of online fitness training. And this is actually the same in online education across Across the sphere. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends in online education on, on whole different industries. We actually have people taking our stuff in, in other industries too, just because there's like, like we have people who do magic, online magic lessons. <laughs> we've, got, we've got guitar instructors who take our nice. programs because there just simply isn't 
our education is just better than anything that exists for their industry. And obviously there's crossover in, in all of yes. that. But what, what we found very early on is that clients were getting better results with online training. We, we were seeing this back in 2013 and we didn't quite wow. get it. Yeah. We didn't quite get why. And now there's actually been a lot of research showing that um, clients, exercisers, by and large, get better results with remote programming. And wow. it's super interesting. And I'm able to explain it a few ways. The research doesn't actually really explain why it happens. They've just, it's just starting to see this trend. And, and most of the research that's been done has actually been in, in cardiovascular stuff and it's been in aging populations and stuff. So it's not quite the same thing, but it's starting to show this trend is the way that I'm able to explain it is two ways based off of everything that we've seen. And we've worked with over 30,000 people now in 87 countries. So, you know, we, we, we have a, a fair data set Yes, is kind of comes down to two things. One is in the fitness industry, there are a number of constraints with the generic business model. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately business dictates fitness. Yeah. And that those that what the constraints that that leads to with scheduling with location is a disservice to many clients. You know, you know that the best workout is never exactly 1 hour. No. You know that the best workout doesn't start at exactly 6 p.m. Yeah. People change, schedules change, stuff comes up. Our job as fitness professionals is to remove stress from people's lives, not add more to it. For somebody who's a busy professional, another appointment that they have to show up exactly on time or they're going to miss five minutes, that's Mm -hmm. a disservice to that person. That's stress for that person. And as a trainer, our job is to optimize for our clients and we can't optimize if a hypertrophy workout is now in 15 minutes long Mm -hmm. and a fat loss workout is 45 minutes long, but we've got an hour session that we have to fill. So we do dumb stuff like tricep pull downs and stretches that the client doesn't need <laughs> yeah. to fill up that time. And you're laughing because you've done it and I've done it. Oh yeah, guilty of it. We've all done it. Yeah. But the second, the second is perhaps more interesting. So that's one reason why you know, it, it, there, there are some better results and I think it's better for the client in a lot of ways. But the other reason is, is much more interesting for me and it comes down to self-efficacy. Right? Yeah, why do people like follow? Why, how do people actually succeed in, in, in anything that's difficult? Mm-hmm. And, and a large determinant of that based off of the stages of change model, Prochaska's model is your self-efficacy, the belief that you can achieve, the belief that this thing is right for you. Whether it actually is or not is actually kind of irrelevant. What matters is that you really believe that it is. And mm-hmm. that's a very important distinction. And that comes down to self-efficacy. So if you were to walk into a regular gym that happens to be close to you, you know, you've You've probably thought about it for a while. You've maybe gone back and forth. You're nervous about it. You walk into a gym and it's like, it's a hard thing to do that if you've never been in a gym. My first ever client was a 67-year-old woman who'd never lifted a weight in her life. Walking into a gym isn't like the strength that she showed to do that. Yeah, it's huge. I I can't even, I mean, I can't even describe it, getting Mm -hmm. over that. So they get over that. And um, some salesperson matches them. And most anybody who knows how like predominantly big box gyms work, basically uh, the, the salesperson matches the clients with a new trainer and the new trainer is always given a certain number of clients that basically is sink or swim. Yeah. Right. Make good. So if you walk into a new gym, a big box gym, you are often going to be given to the newest, greenest trainer that's there. Yes. Who doesn't really know what they're doing, who is probably going to fall out of the industry because it's kind of like a sink or swim thing. Well, as there's not much self-efficacy in with a client, 
Because the trainer is nervous, you're nervous, the trainer isn't that experienced, you have no reason to believe that that trainer is actually right for you in any kind of way. Now think about online. You could spend as much time as you want, consume as much content, and connect with the single one person anywhere in the world that you believe is the right person for you, for whatever reason. And it's not a merit-based decision. Hiring a trainer is not a merit-based decision. That's something that frustrates a lot of trainers. That's something that uh, I think consumers inherently understand but maybe can't articulate. You hire a trainer because of some reason that you feel like they're right for you. Yeah. And that usually has nothing to do with fitness, some interest that they showcase that's outside of fitness. So um, I, I just think those two things are super interesting. Like They are. It's, it's, it's a new world, right? And yeah. it's, it's education. It's everything. No, that, you did a great job explaining that. And I, have, I like having an online presence because people can reach out to me. They're very interested in splitboarding or in Pavel's techniques with Strong First. And so those are the people I attract. And I'm really curious about talking to them. And like on a personal level, on a professional level, it's better for both parties. Right. Yeah. It is. It 100% is. You, you meet people where they are. There's this, um, we call it 1% uniqueness because it's fancy in marketing to give yourself fancy names for things that yeah. you pretend you came up with. And so we do that uh, with, with this idea of 1% uniqueness. In fact, basically, it's a sub-niche of a niche. Basically, it's like go deep. But it's this idea that um, people hire other people because of some sort of uncommon commonality that exists between them. And like I said, most consumers are actually pretty ignorant around the thing that they're buying. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. You're a little bit different because you're a gearhead. So you might be aware of what's called maximizer. Basically there's maximizers and satisfiers. Okay. Most consumers are, ma- are, are satisfiers. Basically they have a pain, they want it to go away as quickly and as easily that pain goes away. They're going to, they're going to buy the solution. Oh sure. Yeah. And so how do you, but, but you need some reason to justify a decision to act, to buy from one place or the other. And it is so difficult to understand what specs to compare off of, mm-hmm. even in something that's electronic, where there is a pretty distinct, defined, like this is better than that. Think about personal training. Think about fitness training. There is no way for a consumer to have any idea whether one trainer is better than the other. Right. Trainers don't know. Like, it's a mastery profession. Mm-hmm. And so how do you make a decision? You make a decision based off of this uncommon commonality. You don't buy based off of merit because you buy based off of the illusion of merit, maybe, mm-hmm. but not actual merit. And then you buy based off of this person is similar to me. Let me give you an example. Um, Troy Bennett is a, is, a, is a graduate of ours from Chicago, and he's the Chicagoland cosplay fitness expert. Like costume play? Like costume play. Okay. And... What does that have to do with fitness? Unique niche. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But he just happens to like cosplay. He lives in Chicago. He's been involved in that community. And so he put himself as the Chicago Lane cosplay fitness expert. This is his brand. There are five clients without any selling the first day. Wow. Smart. Because people who are into cosplay in Chicago mm-hmm. now immediately have reason to buy him and nobody else. Yeah. Very good. Very good marketing on his part. I mean, it's just, it's, it's that, does that mean that you can only work with people who are, live in Chicago and are interested in cosplay? No, but like at one point you need to give yourself some point of leverage, yeah. some sort of competitive advantage in the marketplace to get started, to give yourself an opportunity to prove your worth, to get results. And then once you, once you get that stone wheel moving, it, it just starts to move, right? Yeah. That's some very good priceless advice right there. That's very good.
Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's at the base of everything, right? Yeah. It's at, it's at the base of everything that we do. It's at yeah. the base of everything that, how, how you position yourself. Because what do you, what most trainers, I think, get a false sense of security of the, of how good they are at marketing and how good they are at business mm-hmm. because they benefit from location advantage. Basically, clients just happen to live close to your gym. Yes. I've experienced but, that myself too. Yeah. But online, you ain't got that advantage. Mm-hmm. That client can choose from that guy in Thailand, that girl in Germany, right? right? Yeah. You don't have that advantage. So you've got to give yourself that advantage. And then the interesting thing that happens when you do that is it helps once you identify your market, which is really what that is. Once you identify that market, it illuminates your vision. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think a lot of trainers anybody business, I think a lot of, a lot of people in business, when they go online, a lot of the reason they really fail is they don't have any idea where they're going. And if you have no idea where you're going, you'll never get there. You'll get somewhere, sure. but you'll never get there. And so like fitness, you choose a goal and you work backwards. Yeah. You know, I want to do this 10 minute set. I want to, cause I, I did some kettlebell competition, right? And it was the worst thing ever. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, long cycles suck. <laughs> the worst. 10 minute <laughs> cycles are the worst. Yeah. It's like, how can I use my muscles and load up my joints as good as and like, Oh, like conserve my energy as good as possible and get the biggest blisters I can possibly get. Absolutely. And, and so like, but this idea of, okay, I've got, I've got this long set coming up competition. And so, um, you know that that's in the future. You set a plan moving backwards for your training and then you relentlessly execute forwards. Well, in business, it's the exact same way. What's your market? Okay. I want to work with the Chicagoland cosplay community. Cool. What's, what's the affluent level in that market, right? What can they pay? What can they not yes. pay? Where do they hang out? What language do they use? Who are the influential people in that market to network with, to build partnerships with? Mm-hmm. What social media networks are they on? You might go on Twitch and not Instagram in oh, that yeah. case. Yeah, get the game. And so understanding your market helps dictate all of, I mean, that's vision. It helps dictate every single one of your decisions moving backwards. And that helps you put the blinders on. So you don't like fitness, you program hop. So you don't hop. So you don't dilute your efforts. This is how, you know, we have, this, this is how people get results in much less time for no money. Cause online, mm-hmm. if you know, if you know where you're going and where you want to go, um, you don't need paid ads. You can generate, all the business you ever need organically. Oh, I like that. But if you're posting to the abyss. Yeah. Now I'm with you on that. It, it does help to know your audience and who you're going after. And like, at least in my world, like going after people who enjoy hiking and backcountry skiing and snowboarding, it really yeah. is a natural fit. Um, I wouldn't know how to advertise to a cosplay <laughs> person. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. So like, why yeah. would you, even, you know, I like try. clearly that's not the right person for you. I mean, this is what, yeah this is what we were talking about beforehand of like what we were going to talk about on the podcast. It's, it's, it's this idea of, I don't need to promote because people who are interested in what I'm saying are going to come find me and people who aren't. aren't. Right. And that's exactly how it should be. No, it's, 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 it's <laughs> great because you know, I, I put out the feeler this morning to my friends and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to have Jonathan on the podcast and they all flipped out. So I'm getting like questions all morning. That's like, cool. Yeah. It was, it was very flattering. Um, in fact, uh, Matthew Flaherty, who's been on my show a few times, it was one who I think tagged this connection to happen in the first place. And so he's okay. going to blow me up all morning. <laughs> yeah. What does he want to know? Oh, uh, let's see. I let's see Matt. Of... Let's see Matt. What do you want to know? What does he want to know? Um, how did you build a school that offers continuing education? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Like that came from two different people. How did you get a CE accredited school for online training? How did you got it? Yeah. 
Well, every industry is different. Mm -hmm. The fitness industry is, is unique in that it is largely unregulated. Mm -hmm. There are a couple states that have regulation, government regulation, but the misconception is that fitness is regulated and that there's a scope of practice. Fitness is not regulated and there's no scope of practice pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. Any scope of practice is passed down by a certifying body. A certifying body has no governmental oversight, which means that it's basically a private for-profit organization saying that this is what you can do and can't do, which really holds no official step. Mm -hmm. Not to say that it's not a good like, like idea of what to follow, sure. but, but there's no regulation. Mm -hmm. um, there is accreditation, but accreditation really doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the course. It has to do with checking off a whole bunch of nonsense bureaucratic boxes. That makes sense. And so not to say that you shouldn't look for an accredited body. And, and in fact, if you're looking for insurance as a personal trainer, you might need to have a baseline accredited cert. Yep. But it actually has nothing to do with the quality of the education. I would, I would second um, that. I've taken a lot of courses that were accredited and I'm like, this is not very good. <laughs> no. No, uh, accreditation process is, is a nightmare. And we, we, we started to go through it and, and dropped it because I was just like, this is, this is a, can I, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah, of course. This is, this is a bullshit process. Yeah. This is a bullshit tag that people have been convinced means something and it's going to cost me fifty dollars to $100,000 to get it. And it means nothing. Right. And I, and I'm just, so I just dropped it. Hell yeah. And you. so, yeah. but, but that's not to say that there isn't some value in it. I mean, look, look at it this way. If something's accredited, you know, it's not crap and you know that there's a real company behind it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who offer education online, there's no real company behind it, which means there's no real structure, which means there's no real guarantee of customer support of ongoing support, anything like that. So, you know, we have other markers. We've got a plus from the better business bureau. We've, we've got other markers of, of that, but how, how do we build it? Um, I go through a process of beta testing with every new product and everything I do. And so the first, when basically we did a huge research survey back in 2012, trying to figure out the problem that personal trainers deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, after speaking to, uh, I think it was 147 people one-on-one, -on -one, after gathering a few hundred thousand data points, we were able to drill down it into one sentence, which is trainers need to make a bit more and a bit less time with a bit better schedule. Yeah. Basically, that's the problem. Yeah. And so with the problem, we started looking for the solution. And that's how in 2012, we came across online training as the solution. So I said, cool, I'm going to build a business model for this and test it. So I literally made up a business model. And then we took on 22 beta testers in a coaching group. And um, uh, sorry, two dozen. So 24, 22 finished it. From that 22, we took in feedback. Basically, we revisited the business model and released a course that was the precursor to the online training account. Um, took in, I think it was like 150 people the first time, 500 the second time for that course. And every time I did it, I did, I did it cohort-based. And the reason that I did it cohort-based was part marketing, you know, scarcity is really important. But mostly when you do something cohort-based, you can actually assess the success of it and you can monitor your students. And so we did a ton of research. We watched people, we followed people, how they were using, not using the materials. We did a lot of surveys, we did a lot of phone calls and continually tried to reassess it. And, um, and the program has now gone through eight iteration cycles Wow! since, uh, since 2013, because the first program came out in 2013. We've had independent audits from like the senior course developer at Yale University did an independent audit of the learning of the course. And so that process then helped us evolve it in 2016 to the certification, helped us build the textbook. But keep in mind, the first version of the textbook 
didn't come out until three years into the course in five iterations. Wow. That's and now we're in version three of the textbook to give you an idea of what this process is. Wow. Uh, so it, it can't be, it's not just made up. And this is, this is, I think one of the differences. I mean, it's the only OTA is the only real, like I'm proud to say it's the only real curriculum for online training that exists. There's a lot of people who teach online training, but it's basically like a way that they figured out how to do it, mm -hmm. which might be a perfectly valid way and a perfectly good way for people who are exactly like them. To me, a curriculum is, I'm going to give you all the pros and cons. I'm going to give you all the best practices. We're going to give you all the support you need, and we're going to guide you to putting this together in the best way that works for you. And, and that's going to be different for you than anybody else. And then we give people lifetime access because like your life changes. So yeah. your business will change with your life. When I started training, I was a single guy with mm -hmm. no real responsibilities. Now I have a house and a three-year-old, you know, yeah. uh, like changes. And then, um, you know, how do we get, so, so we're not accredited, but we have pre-approvals as a continuing education provider by basically every major governing body, certifying body worldwide. And the way to do that is just paperwork, <laughs> to be yeah, honest. Pushing um, papers. You know, all of them, they, they have different, different organizations do different assessments of the material. Some of them look really deeply into it. Other ones don't. Some of them, it's like a cash grab, basically mm -hmm. pre-approving continuing education is cash grab. Other ones really take it seriously. And, uh, and I mean, we meet the guidelines for every single one. We blow past the guidelines for every oh, single sure. one. So it was just a matter of paperwork. Like Fitness Australia is the most paperwork anybody has ever had to done for anything everywhere. Um, NASM is a form. So oh, really? NASM? It's, cool. just, it's just different for, yeah. for everybody. I mean, a big part of NASM's business is because you pay a fee to become a pre-approved provider. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you pay a yearly fee to maintain it. A big part of NASM's business is people becoming pre-approved providers for NASM. Wow. Right? That's, that's, I mean, a big part of their business. They're a big yeah. company. Sure. They've got two levels of private equity backing them. But, but that idea of, of that business. But the misconception is that you don't actually have to, as a student, you don't actually have to have pre-approved education by, any, by your certifying body. Any education will you will be able to petition for continuing education credits for basically any certification for any program. There's always a process. That is, um, that's very encouraging. I'm going to, I have an online fitness school. I'm going to go do that this afternoon. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, we can, you know, you know what I can do if, if, if you want, Sean, um, we've got, we've got a PDF that we put together for our students with the, basically the booklet of all of the certifications. Sweet. And then, um, what we do because some of them some of them like like nsca for example mm -hmm. won't allow outside certifications to become pre-approval pre-approved they just they just have a rule they just don't basically they don't want their people to take any certifications that aren't nsca so they don't pre-approve them okay doesn't mean they don't accept them though mm -hmm. just means they don't pre-approve them so we basically walk through in this booklet the process that so our students know how to submit all of the documents to get credit. So I can give you that oh, booklet if you want. That would be so awesome, Jonathan. I, yeah, I know at least three people that that takes off their, their education that they're trying to build as Perfect. well. That's yeah. helping a lot of people with that one. Oh, that's cool. And you that also answered uh, how you started the business. I didn't know how much you put into it to uh, evolve it. That's some serious oh, yeah. education. That's really impressive. It's uh, yeah, man, it's been a big part of my life for uh, seven years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm super impressed. Uh, like, like you said, there's a lot of people offering advice on online training. It seems to be coming out of every angle these days. 
Yeah. Oh, but you, you, you look at, work. look at like Mokos, you know, if you're going to buy from anybody for anything, I look at, I look at Mokos of seriousness and, um, and because there's, there's a lot of people who can say a lot of things. There's a lot of people make claims. Unfortunately, it's really hard to follow up on claims a lot of the time. And, um, and also like a lot of claims, you know, the people are different than you. It's, oh, I had this much success or whatever it is with this thing. It's like, I don't know you. I don't know where you are. I don't know your circumstance. Like I can't really put that much debt in it. So I, what, I, what I look for when I'm buying stuff is what are, what are mokers of seriousness amongst the seller? Mm-hmm. How much thought and effort? And also uh, Nassim Talib talks about this quite a bit. What kind of skin in the game do they have? Yeah. If somebody doesn't have a website, they just have an application form. If somebody is just firing Facebook ads to an application form to a phone call, you got no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you're necessarily bad, but it's a it's a red flag for me. Yeah. If I look at somebody, if I look at somebody's website, for example, and they have a paperback book that they sell, that's skin in the game because I know how hard it is. I've written eleven books. I know how yeah. hard it is to create a book and it's expensive. We have a textbook. We have a 360 page textbook on online training. That's skin in the game. Yeah. You can't just write that. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce. You can't do print on demand for textbooks. No. We do print runs of thousand plus and it still costs us 40 bucks a book. Dang. (laughs) So, so when you're looking at who to learn from, like there was, there was um, one of my favorite quotes, one of our students like years back, we still use it in some of our marketing. He goes, you know, I didn't really know who you were. Charles Bell is his name. He lives in Arkansas. And, uh, and he goes, he goes, you know, I didn't, didn't really know who you guys were. I just came about you. You know, I thought you were everybody else. Then I saw you at a textbook and online training. And I'm like, ain't nobody going to go to that much trouble for some bullshit course. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that sums it up perfectly. But that's what I look for too when I'm buying stuff, right? Yeah. Nah, that's really well said. I love that. I, I'm I love a little, that line. It's a, it's <laughs> Ain't a good nobody going to go to this so much trouble for some bullshit course. <laughs> that's a very good point. Oh, that's good stuff. That's I, funny. Love, I love when I learn from my, my people I teach too. Like I get little nuggets here and there and just, oh, they stick with you. But yeah. that's super cool. Like that's a very substantial, it's like a, a NASM or NSEA textbook size. That's you know, that's huge. So you have a lot of skin oh, in the yeah. game. Yeah, it's, that's legit. Oh, yeah. Like uh, to compare for my listeners, I have a book on the shelf right there. I wrote, I Kindle direct published it and it, it, it yep. took me some time, but it still took a lot of time. That's not a good book. That's like a little ebook, right? Your book, that's a legit textbook for a curriculum. Oh, but a lot, even, like, even, I mean, you got a book in print, man. How many yeah. people can say that? Like that's a hell of an accomplishment. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, what that says to me is that you've really like in order to teach, this is why I think everybody should be a teacher Mm -hmm. because in order to teach something, it forces you to understand that thing so much better forces you to not just understand it in your own head, but understand it objectively enough so that you can communicate it to somebody else in order to write a thing in a book is a new level of understanding to organize something in some sort of, Call it a curriculum, like a chapter, like a table of context, right? It's a new level of understanding of that thing. And then to sit there for the hours and weeks and months it took you by yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Not having any idea whether anybody was ever going to see this thing or care about this thing, probably doubting yourself that you'd ever finish it. Oh, almost all the time. Yeah. 
And work through that tells me a lot about you, tells me a lot about how much you care about your craft, and tells me a lot about how much you've thought about your craft. I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's, it's special. It's, it's really special, man. Well, I, I really appreciate that you can see that and appreciate it. Um, and I was listening to your podcast, which is really funny. Uh, you guys riff and like banter and there's a lot of laughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's great. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of banter. There's a lot of poop jokes. There is. Um, I love poop jokes. My last podcast, I was talking about poop too, you know? You know what? You know what the funny, poop is funny. It is. Like, I don't care who you are. Like poop is funny. And I'll tell you why poop is funny. <laughs> Poop is funny because literally everybody poops. Fact. And picture like, like the Queen of England, okay, sits in the royal bathroom and squeezes out a poop. Fact. The same as like poop democratizes us. I don't equal. care. It makes us all equal. I don't care. Yeah. You are. I don't care what clothes you wear. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care whether you live in in a, a palace. You're not going to you still do the same thing. It's like that famous Andy Warhol Coke, the best. Uh, I, I'll, I'll butcher the paraphrase, but like the thing that I love about Coke is all the Cokes are the same and everybody can get the, Cokes, the same Coke. Even the president of the United States drinks the same Coke as I do. Yeah, like that. Like everybody, everybody poops. <laughs> That's why it's funny, though. That's oh, why it's so funny. It is. I laugh every time I <laughs> poop comes up, poop, crap, whatever. And my wife is like, oh "You're God. such a kid." I'm like, "Well, maybe in this capacity, but shit's funny." I, my three-year-old son, his favorite song right now. Uh, we he goes like like probably ten times a day. He just looks at us. You can tell he's just thinking about it all the time. He's like, "You want to hear a funny song?" We're like, "Yeah." It's like. Old McDonald had a poop. Calvin flushed it down the toilet. Then it went into the sewer. The end. That's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. It's brilliant. It is. Why you have kids. Yeah. You know, we have, we have four nieces under the age of six. And, um, oh, my God. That's yeah. Amazing. So I get to be the, the uncle that goes out and gets them dirty and plays in the snow. The best. And, yeah. Oh, I love the my best. job. Yeah. The best. I was... I was um, I was an uncle to four nieces and nephews before I had my own. Wow. And, uh, and I was, I mean, I'm the youngest in my family. I'm the youngest of like cousins. Nobody had kids. My sister didn't have a kid till she was, uh, my sister's eight years older than me. She didn't have a kid till she was 35. So like I, I was never around babies at yeah. all. And, and I was, I was petrified of them obviously cause poop. And so <laughs> random poop. Because random poop everywhere. It's just, I mean, you, you, it, anybody who's not a parent doesn't understand just how much your life is dictated by poop once you become a parent. Like everything you plan for is, is, is about poop. Like the clothes you bring, your schedule, like where you go, it's like, oh, is he going to poop there? Like we need to be prepared for that. Like everything is. And so, but yeah, I got, I got to be that, that uncle um, and practice which I think was really important. The first oh, yeah. time I, I, held a, I held a diaper, I actually, I, I vomited. Um, <laughs> I legit did. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, yeah our, our dogs, uh, they're poop factories, and then they like other animals' poop as well. So um, right. I reached out to a bunch of companies that make like pressurized water devices. So on my truck, uh -huh. my forerunner, I've got a pressurized four-gallon water system just to spray them off with a scat. Just so That's going to be valuable if you ever decide to have children of your own. I'm thinking so. I hope people don't think it's like child abuse by hosing off a butt crack, but. Well, you can get, you can get like, 
like one of those old school super soakers i feel yeah. like you know super soaker was like super soaker 50 and that was the one with the green container that like everybody had then mm-hmm. super soaker just went buck because i guess they just made so much money and just started making like super soaker fifty thousand. it's like this is not and it, it was it was a problem where it was knocking out kids eyes oh wow super so get like get like somewhere in between a 50 and fifty thousand. there you go i'll do <laughs> some research on what the right kids. pressure is so you don't <laughs> destroy somebody's butt <laughs> I like that we took this direction. This is good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy at how at how this podcast degraded into organic shit talk. conversation. Yeah. Yes. Well, everybody does this, you know. So we're everybody, trying to help people out. Queen of England, picture it. <laughs> Can't get that out of your head. <laughs> nope, that is nightmare fuel. She takes what? off her white gloves, and that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is super entertaining. Um, well, do you have time for maybe one more question? Yeah, man. I got, oh. I got, yeah, I got another five, 10 minutes. We're good. Perfect. Perfect. Um, we covered uh, how you built the school, the continuing education, what, what you offer. Well, let's, t- let's cover what do you offer in the OTA? What, what can a person expect? What do we offer? We offer, I mean, we offer the complete program. Like if you're, if you're a personal trainer and you're looking to add online training, either full-time or part-time, mm-hmm. we walk you through exactly how to do that. And, and we guarantee your success, by the way. We guarantee that you'll make at least your first $1,000 with online training within the first 90 days of the program and your money back. That's nice. And that's more than we charge for the program. So we guarantee you more than 100% return on investment. Wow. Uh, if you are already online training, then I believe it's very important to approach everything with a beginner's mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau once said, if you, if you build your castles in the air, don't forget to put a foundation under them. A lot of people who already train online kind of hacked it together. Yeah. You know, somebody asked, they hacked it together. They read some stuff on the internet, whatever it is. I will guarantee you that there are ways that you can improve and be more efficient and service your clients better. That might have to do with your marketing and client acquisition and sales that might have to do with becoming more efficient with your support mechanisms, creating better precedents around that, managing your own time better so that you can be more to the people you love. I believe I like that, that. Um, software and automation and technology is best used to scale where humans should show up, not to let humans sit on the beach and put their feet up. I think that humans are unbelievable coaches. And I think that leveraging technology and automation as a way to, so that, so that humans can show up where they need to show up and eliminate humans from where they don't need to be. Yeah. And so there are almost always ways you can do that. And then the actual taking care of clients assessing clients online is fundamentally different than assessing them in person. In yeah. person assessing the client, you want to favor reliability over validity. Basically, you want an accurate test. Most assessments in person, particularly body fat assessments, are actually not accurate if you actually understand the science behind it. Like a lot of people use bioelectrical impedance, you know, the, the, the oh, scales. Yeah. And those are just not accurate. Not like at all. It is. But, but anyway, I mean, if you, you know, if you have a bod pod or underwater weighing or um, calipers, if you're really good at calipers, but uh, online, you have to actually switch your gears a lot and favor validity over reliability. Oh, sorry, favor reliability over validity. In person, you want validity over reliability. So you don't actually have any way to know whether it's a 100% reliable test because you're not there physically with them. Mm-hmm. But if you choose the right assessments and you guide it the right way, then you can make sure that the results are reliable from test to test to test to test. I like that. And it's actually a lot simpler than you think. For example, tape measures mm-hmm. are an online trainer's best friend. 
because it's really easy to guide somebody to take a tape measure assessment. Things like those old school gym tests of like 60 second push-up test, 60 second sit-up test are actually really, really good assessments when you're an online trainer. Probably not so much in person. And, and does it mean that the person is getting stronger if they can do 60 push-up or more push-ups in 60 seconds? Maybe, maybe not, but it means that they can withstand more. It's also a really good measure that they know that they can improve on. That is very hard for them to kind of, kind of cheat on, right? Um, and then you get into things like, like motivational interviewing. Massively important online. Oh, yeah. The why. Like why are, yeah. Why are you doing it? Why is somebody doing it? And also, and, and creating that, that, that intrinsic motivation for them by really listening to them. But more so, a lot of situations come up. Any, any seasoned online trainer knows this. A lot of situations come up where a client just disappears for a period of time. And in person, if you've got sessions with them or they live close, like it's kind of hard for them to disappear more. Not to say it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but online, client could just disappear, just stop sending their check-in, stop responding. And as a trainer, your brain starts, do they hate me? Yeah. Are they pissed off? Are they failing? What happened? Maybe that person just forgot to tell you that they were going on vacation. Right. Like you really have no idea. And so there's a lot of really great motivational interviewing techniques that are built to re-engage in a very respectful, open, curious manner. You're not, a lot of trainers get accusational right off the bat because they think that like what a client does is an affront to them. Yeah, personal. A really great online trainer is just obscenely curious. That's my favorite word. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And so, so we teach a lot of that. Um, Good. With it, and then and then everything. I mean, pricing, package structure, all, everything, all of the legalities. We've got a proprietary form builder. We can build your legal forms, all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's an incredible resource. I can always learn more too. Like you said, I I, I hacked mine together. I'm getting by, but I can always learn more. And I'm sure oh, most sure. of the people I know are in sim- similar position too. Everybody can in everything they do. I'm yeah. I'm rereading the book Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell right now. Oh, nice. And I haven't read that book. That was a very impactful book for me more than 10 years ago. And I haven't read that book since. And I, I talked about it a lot. It's funny. I've written about it a lot. I talk about Mavens a lot. I talk about connectors a lot. But I'm rereading it. I started rereading it yesterday morning. And, uh, and I was speaking to, to Allison, to my wife, this morning over breakfast. She's like, oh, so like, what, are you, what are you getting out of it? I'm like, it's not like anything that's new in it, but the amount of new context through which I can put this information through. When I first read it, I was just gathering knowledge. I was pretty young in my career. Mm-hmm. Well, now I've had a lot of experience. Now I have real problems that I'm solving. Now I can actually take this knowledge and say, where does it fit in? And, and it's fundamentally different. And so the different stages that you're in your business development, you might use a course like ours in different ways. Sure. You know, if you're brand new, you might put it together from the start. If you're not brand new, you might rip through the whole thing. And if you only find one nugget that helps you save two hours a week because you're now more efficient. Uh, time's the best. That's enough. Yeah. I would do that in <laughs> right? a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. Oh, and I bet you we could find that for you. I, I bet you could. I'm, yeah. You've imparted a lot of wisdom for us. I really appreciate this, Jonathan. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have links to uh, OTA online trainer Academy below as well. And um, any last parting words of wisdom? 
I want to, I, we didn't talk about the adventure stuff. Maybe, maybe if you'll have me back on, because I, I was to. excited to talk about that. I think one of the most special things about, I, I, I love, I'm deeply passionate about lifestyle design. I'm deeply passionate about, um, not, not don't make money, but, um, don't let it, don't let making money get in the way of living your life. Don't let making money get in the way or force you into making decisions that oppose your, your deeply held convictions and beliefs. And yes. so um, one of the things that, that I'm most proud of is that my wife and I have spent four to six months out of the country for the last seven years um, living abroad. And so we've lived, I, I define living in a different city and different country by being in the same place for at least a month. And so we've lived in 10 different countries. Um, I haven't wow. counted the cities, but like my son who's three has been on 31 plane rides. And uh, this past year, what, what I wanted to tell you, just because I, I thought that you'd really dig it, and it's, it's a trip that I think you really should make. We were, we were living in Montenegro for three months in the Balkans in, um, in a town called Kotor, which is stunning if you look it up. K-O-T-O-R, it's freaking spectacular. And... Uh, and we had a, a nanny with us who was traveling with us. And so my wife and I, for a third anniversary, took a bus down to Albania, into the northern, north of Albania, to a town called Skoder, uh, to celebrate our anniversary. And most people take their wives to like some romantic place to celebrate their anniversary. I take my wife to Albania, and we spend three days hiking in the Albanian Alps. Oh, I love it. Oh, this is great. And for anybody who has not been um, to to the mountain ranges, to the Alps, out in the Balkans. It's an area of the world that is just opening up because they've been oppressed, unfortunately, for mm. 500 years. You know, pick and choose your overlord ruler. Like, they've just been beat down for the longest time and bombed to the ground by the Allies during the Second World War too. And so that area of the world is starting to open up and it's rough around the edges, which is what makes it so special as an adventurer. Yeah. You know, the trip, so we were in Skoda, which is a, a northern town in Albania, and to figure out how to get to the Valbone Pass, which is the hike that we did, to, to figure out how to get there, we basically had to walk around town and eventually found a hostel where we asked, like, how to get it. We, had, we met a minibus that took us for two hours at six o'clock in the morning to um, a boat dock, which then took us on a ferry ride for three hours up this beautiful stream where like people lived along the stream. It was the funniest ferry ride ever. Yeah. And then to another minibus ride, like off-roading to a town called Valbone, which was like a, a goat herder like town where you live in these guest houses that have been like, there's no Airbnb. Like I booked, I booked this guest house by there's no Airbnb. There's no trip. Like it's some of this stuff is on TripAdvisor, but you can't even email them. So I, you message them on their Facebook page. You say, I want to stay this time. They said, okay, see you then. Wow. Like that's how you book. And, uh, and so we showed up to, uh, to this guest house in Valbon. And it's in the middle. It's in, it's in the bottom of this, of this mountain range of the Alps. And then we set out the next day on this, on this pass, Valbon Pass, which takes you from Valbon to Pepe, which is the town on, on the other side, the little, like in the same type of thing, you stay in a guest house and whatever. And all the way up, there's, there's three different cafes, K-A-F-F-E, um, up, the, up the mountain range that you hit. And it's somebody who lives there that there's all this natural spring water that um, basically set up like this, this, uh, like this stick kind of house. And it's where the cafes are set up where the spring water comes out of the mountain. 
and they hike up Cokes and stuff like that. And they have uh, 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 powdered coffee, like Nescafe. Mm-hmm. And then you go up there and you pay them in, in Albania, it's Albanian leke is the money. So you pay them whatever it is, like, can't remember, like, like 100 leke, 150 leke. And they give you like a coffee. So all the way up, you're like, and so we took our time because we, you know, we hike fast, like mm-hmm. 12 miles or whatever. And, you know, we can do that in a couple hours and we had the whole day. So we just like sat my wife and I in the middle of a mountain range in Albania, like sipped a coffee. She sipped of water, like putting her feet up, you know, Perfect. Oh, I love <laughs> and, then, and then you get to the other side and then the trip, yeah, the trip back is just like this four wheeler, like the sketchiest drive in the world <laughs> back to Skoda. And then we took a bus back to Montenegro the next morning. It's just like, to be able to do that kind of stuff, man, it's, oh. it's so freaking special. And like I said, I mean, for your people who are listening, um, the Balkans are, are spectacular. It's, I love hiking in the United States. We did a 48 day road trip. My wife and I, we hit 16 national parks and monuments Whoa. and, um, and, and it was spectacular, but you know, the United States national parks are, are beautiful, but they're discovered for the most part. Mm-hmm. Not, not so much. Like there was some in like Washington state, like we were in like Lesson National Park and stuff like that where we were by ourselves. But for the most part, the really spectacular ones are discovered and pretty busy. Yeah. Um, you know, you go out there and it's, it's rough around the edges in the most beautiful ways that you could imagine. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's cost effective it's 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 relatively easy to get around um the bus system is pretty easy to get from town to town like inter you know if you want to go from uh from montenegro to uh albania to i mean any of those like like the the buses to go from country to country are super cheap and easy this is super it's just a really cool it's yeah so i just wanted to make sure that i i shared that because I think I thought you would dig it, and I think your your, oh, your people would really dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, to your point, my our anniversary is on the summer solstice this Sunday, and we go camping every year for it. Beautiful. So I was, I was camping last night trying to find the best spot with a little creek in it. We're yeah. right there and poop in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find the most beautiful creek, and we're gonna go there and under the stars, and I'm gonna tell her I love her, and then I'm gonna shit in the woods. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> Oh, this has been an absolute pleasure, Jonathan. Um, thank you for imparting your wisdom. Like I oh, said, yeah. uh, a lot of great nuggets. I know you got a role here. I'd uh, love to have you back on and talk more about your adventure life. Yeah, for sure, man. That'd be fantastic. That'd be fun. Awesome. And uh, to you and listeners, thank you for checking us out. I'll have links to Jonathan and his uh, great services below. And until next time, take care. <laughs>